Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Well, I hope that you're in the right place today. I hope that you've already heard something from the Lord. And it's my prayer that we'll all be changed. As I've been studying out the book of Revelation, and I have to give credit where credit's due, Dr. Jack Van Impey uh, has a book out, and I believe he is one of the masters of the book of Revelation. Hopefully you'll agree with that, but it's called Revelation Revealed. As I've been studying out, I've, I've been using his book like a concord, or not a concord, like a commentary type thing. And I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, so without me having to say every time this was Jack Van Impey's, I'm just telling you up front, a lot of what you'll hear today is uh, from his book. And, uh, you know, I, I hopefully someday I'll be a scholar like him and maybe have my own TV show. But until then, <laughs> we'll rely on his expertise. The last time we met with this study, this is actually week three, we talked how the book of Revelation is actually a revelation of things to come, right? The apocalypse simply means an uncovering, and that's, that's what the whole book of Revelation is about. God's uncovering what is to come. The book of Revelation is from and about who? Jesus. The whole book is about Jesus. The book was given to the Apostle John in his later years. In fact, some claim he was about 99 years old when he actually wrote this, which is pretty old. Uh, the idea was that he would write down what the Lord showed him or spoke to him so that we would have record of what was to come. And, you know, I love the fact that the prophecies in the Bible have come true. We can trust what God's Word says. And the last thing on this slide is the Lord gave a stern message to the church. What does stern mean? Strict. He was telling us, uh, hello, time to do something about this. Just like your parents, if you stay out too late. Uh, you're grounded for two weeks. Right? Some of you young people, you know what I'm talking about. The stern warning was given to the seven churches or the seven candlesticks as they are uh, talked about in the book of Revelation. The seven churches represent seven real churches. We talked about that. The seven churches also represent seven literal church ages. I gave you a few of those in, the, in uh, week two. This week, I'll give you the rest of them. And then last but not least, the seven churches represent seven timeless church problems that we have to address. Just because they were for a specific period, they're still facing the church today. And if we're to be victorious, we've got to, we've got to come against these things. I like it when God is pleased with us. Oh, wow. How many of you are parents? And how many of you relish in the fact that your children are doing well? Meaning, 
you're happy about it, right? Versus the other way, if they're not doing well. God's no different. He's our Heavenly Father. We should be trying to please Him. Living with this Holy Spirit temple, living as He's challenged us to live. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you should at least be striving for that. Right? So today's message, it's not going to be an easy one. In fact, at the very end here, I've got Hebrews 12, 6. If God loves you, He'll discipline you. He'll show you what's going wrong in your life and the things that need to be changed. Why? Because He hates our guts? No, the opposite. Because He loves you and He wants you to be in heaven with Him forever. But we've got to do our part. You and I, the church, we have a part. Well, I've prayed so many times already this morning. We're just going to go on. I think we've prayed. But I just trust that this message is going to minister to you today. And there's something in here for everybody. I know that. As I've been praying, as I, as I put this on paper, I trust that God is going to do some amazing things today. And uh, I, I hope I can get this done in a reasonable amount of time. So the first church that we're going to talk about today is actually the fourth, which is the church of Pergamum. This happened, happens to be the church age between 312 and 606 A.D. I'm going to begin with Revelation here in just a minute, but Pergamum comes from the root word where we get bigamy and polygamy, all right? Jack Van Impey says this church is so named because of its mixed marriage between the church and the world. The church and the world cannot be combined. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to live different. We're separate. To be holy means to be separate for the things of God. He's called us to a holy living. Be holy, for I am holy, Peter said. So beginning with verse 12, it says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. How many can say amen to that? Yet you have remained loyal to me. You refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. So these people are seeing some rough stuff happen around them, but they didn't give up, all right? Verse 14, and by the way, I'm only putting up the Revelation verses this morning. I'm going to give you a whole bunch more of those. So if you're a common ground leader, write them down. I have a few complaints against you, Jesus began. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Now here again, what are these people doing? They're trying to combine the church with the world. You remember who uh, Balaam and Balak were? Balaam was the guy who actually got rebuked by his donkey. What would you do if your donkey started talking to you? And I found it interesting that when this happened, the reason it happened was because Balaam was ignoring God. God told him, do not go there, do not help Balak, the king, because what he wanted, he wanted Balaam to curse Israel. 
And God said, you can't curse them. I've already blessed them. Ha, 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 my blessing outdoes your curse. That's what he was saying. Maybe not in those terms. Okay, that's, I'm taking a little liberty there. So God tries to stop him, but he wouldn't listen. So he kept slamming his donkey into the rocks where Balaam's leg was getting smashed between the wall. And he'd jump off and he'd whip his poor donkey. And finally, after three times, the donkey goes, What have I done to you? Have I ever done this to you before? Maybe something isn't right. Well, there happened to be an angel because only the donkey was able to see it at this point. There was an angel in front of the donkey with this big sword and he was ready to cut Balaam up. But his donkey protected him. But he didn't know that. Well, finally, he got it. Okay, I can't go and curse this guy. And he, he's only doing it for the money. How many people do things that are anti-God for the money? Mammon was what drove him. This church that Jesus is condemning here is doing business like Balaam did business. What he ended up doing, because he couldn't curse Israel, he just told Balak, the king, how to infect the Israelite men. Just send your beautiful women over there. Your prostitutes, your shrine prostitutes. Just send them over there and, and, and have them flaunt their stuff and see what happens. And they did. And the Israelites lusted and ended up lying with these women. And they ate the food that had been offered to idols. Again, we have to be separate. God doesn't want your trash. Put it under the blood. Lay it at the cross. When you come to Him, be pure. Because He is pure. Hallelujah. Are curses real? If you read this, you'll see they are. Curses are real. Apparently, they could affect some people, not Israel, because they were under a superseding, higher-powered blessing, just like we are. Can I get a good amen? amen? But curses are real. Just a few weeks ago, the witches in the United States publicly proclaimed a curse on our president. We need to be praying like never before. And you want to know something? A lot of people that weren't witches jumped right on that curse without mentioning any particular political organizations. That's sick. And it's anti-God. The Bible says He's the one that sets kings up and takes them down. Hallelujah. Verse 15, in a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin. Listen to this. Repent of your sin. Say that with me. 
Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. If you remember, the Nicolaitans were the ones that did, told their people how they had to live, their lay people. You know, they couldn't do anything without getting an order from the, the chief person of that cult. Those people had no freedom. And when Jesus speaks about the sword in the mouth, I believe it's a direct relation or revelation of Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is alive and is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So if you're facing something in your life, you've got to get in the Word. If it's demonic, you've got to get in the Word. If it's a curse, you've got to get in the Word. If you want God's blessing, you've got to get in the Word. If you want His favor, you've got to get in the Word. You've got to understand what the Word of God says about you and about God. And that you can bank on. Hallelujah. Verse 17, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna. Now, this word manna, according to Jack, means the Word of God. Obviously, we're not going to have to go back and get those tasty little morsels that he left out for those that were in the desert. As I understand it, it was a mix between a taste of honey and cracker. That doesn't sound real appetizing to me, but it makes more sense that this means the Word of God. That has been hidden away in heaven. So there are going to be some words that are going to come our way. Heavenly words. Look at what it does on earth. Imagine what it's going to do in heaven. Are you with me? And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. These are special little party favors from God. Because he loves us. You just think he loves you now. Wait till you're in heaven where you're going to get the full blast of God's goodness. We're just been, have you ever seen that commercial where the guy's in front of the stereo speakers and his hair is going back? The speakers are so big. That's how it's going to be when we're in the presence of the Lord. It's just going to be, ah! We aren't going to hardly be able to stand it. Can I get a witness? The Lord is talking to His people. 1 John 5, 4, For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. That is what we're challenged to do. To get the victory. By faith. And that's not always easy. Moving right along, the church in Thyatira. 606 to 1520 A.D. is the, the church age that this one refers to. Many scholars believe, though, that this church is going to be around until she is destroyed by the revived Roman Empire, which is going to come much later. If you want to read about that a little more, you can look that up in chapters 17 and 18 of Revelation. We'll get there, but for today, that's where I'm going to leave you. Verse 18, I already got it up. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the... Who's talking here? Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Whose eyes are like flames of fire? Whose feet are like polished bronze? I know all the things you do. Ooh. Everything? Yes, Norm. What I did yesterday? Yes, Norm. What I thought yesterday? Yes, Norm. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Can I say right here, that's all God expects from us? That you improve. You're a little better today than you were yesterday. You know, when we first got saved, usually it's, it, it's a transfer, transformational experience. From the way you were yesterday to today, you're completely different. But once you're born again, that process is a little slower, a little less visible, if you will. But that doesn't mean God's not working on you. So don't ever think God stepped away from you. And here's my, my feeling is this, and I feel it strongly only because it went, I've watched people go through it and I went through it. After about six months, and in my first six months of knowing Jesus back in 1981, they were tremendous. Now, I, I, I used pharmaceuticals prior to my knowing Jesus. All right, and, and I was in a euphoric state more than once. Not normally, not a natural. You get what I'm saying? When I got to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I was high on Him every day. For about six months, I felt like I could walk on air. It was amazing. And then, after about six months, it was like God just did one of these. Let's see how you respond now without the feeling. And I kind of went, whoa. Some people don't even notice he's gone. But I did. After about a week of that nonsense, I was like, Lord, where are you? I didn't leave you. I just took the feeling away. I'm still here. I wanted to see how you'd respond. I was like, oh, God, don't do that. <laughs> and I went after him again. Fasted and prayed and, and trusted that he wanted me to experience him like that. And then he sided right up to me again. That's one of the reasons that we do these worship events, like the second, Friday the second. Come in and worship and pray and praise and lift the name of Jesus up. And every time we do it, we walk out of here just feeling like I did back when I was a young Christian. Woohoo! I'm looking at Roger because he's the one that gets to lead us. What this passage is saying is that the church outdid itself with good deeds during what was considered the Dark Ages. Those were very horrific times for anyone that truly wanted to worship God. It was a religion that dominated the church. Not a spirit-led church. A man-led church. Jesus goes on, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat 
food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Jezebel was perhaps the most wicked woman on this planet. So for any of you men that think you're married to her, you're not. I'm just kidding. None of you guys should think that. She was a self-proclaimed prophetess. She surrounded herself with prophets. Some say four to 5,000 of them who dined at her table on a regular basis. Can you imagine that, Bill? But she didn't care. She wanted people to think she was all that. And she got what she wanted. God gave the church, this church, about a thousand years to repent. But she didn't. But she didn't. As the next two verses tell us, the church that is related to this Jezebel will come to her doom during the Great Tribulation. Again, this is written in chapters 17 and 18 of Revelation. Verse 22. Okay, I've lost it again. Can you take me there? And Verse 22. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. It's possible to live a great life, to reap great reward, and then at the end undo it all for some bad decisions. I've watched people do it. I know people that served God for 40 years and then walked away from Him at the end. God help us to stay faithful and true. 2 John 8 says, Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. All of us are going to be rewarded. The righteous judgment that's going to take place first, the righteous judgment is where the church, after we've been raptured up to meet God, in heaven, while we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we are going to be rewarded. For the things we did, some are going to receive more reward than others. I've said this before, some of you are barely going to get in, but you're still going to be in. Some of you are going to have crowns that are going to be huge, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them. Depths of Satan, actually. This is Jesus talking again here. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, listen to this, to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. Oh. How many of you are ready to rule? Huh? 
You know, some of you struggle with that here, and I don't think it's going to be a problem once you're in your glorified body. God's going to have a place for every single one of us. And he's going to give us a position. And this is what we're going to do. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now, if you look at this, if you break this down, there are three rewards that he's talking about here. First, we're going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's pretty cool. Second, we're going to share in the earth's riches. And this is a direct quote from Psalm 2, 8, and 9. It says, Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break or rule them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Anybody resist, boom, they're done. But people aren't going to want to resist because they know the power and authority of Jesus. And we're going to be walking in that power and in that authority. Last, we will reign with Christ Himself, who is, of course, the bright morning star. When we get to heaven, when the new heavens and the new earth are formed, and we're there, there's not going to be a sun any longer. It's going to be the glory of God. The bright morning star is what's going to illuminate that place. Just wait. That's exciting news, isn't it? The message of the church of Sardis. Now, again, some of these have different time frames. Some of them overlap. That's why I said earlier, these are timeless truths for the church. And what I'm asking you to do is figure out if any of these apply to you. Because if they do, Jesus makes it really clear that you're going to hear this. Your name is either going to be removed from the book of life or your candlestick. Either way, you're done. Sobering. Judgment is sobering. This age, church age, is 1522, the tribulation. It includes the Reformation period where the church was in one of its darkest eras. That's where Martin Luther finally came up and posted his precepts on the door and said, no more of this. No more of this man-made religion. we got to get back to God. This was due in part, this lukewarmness or these dead churches were due in part because of their forced conversions. Whole nations were coming to the Lord, but it was man-made religion, not God-made. And they didn't have a clue what it meant to be born again. The leaders weren't even living for Jesus. Who would they follow? They didn't have that model, that holy model that we need today. Verses like 2 Corinthians 5.17 meant little to them. And I'll quote, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. They didn't get that. They just thought their name was written down somewhere because they joined the church. You could be a member of this church and still be unsaved. I hope that's not the case, but you can be. 
I mean, we, we go to great lengths to find out that you are born again. But there are people who aren't always honest. There was no visible fruit in these people's lives. There was no evidence of any change from the former sinful life. God, help us not to be that church. Can I get another good amen? Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. Again, we're talking about Jesus here. I know all things that you do, there it is again, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. I love this. Wake up! Did I wake anybody up? Wake up! Strengthen what little bit you have, for even what is left is almost dead. Are you hearing me today? This applies to somebody in this room. I feel it so strong, I can barely stand up here. Somebody in this room, you have just about come to the end. Your spirit is almost dead. Wake up before it's too late. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn again to me. He can't get any plainer than this. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. You know how many times the Lord extends mercy to us? Here He has given us a warning even before we were born. Repent. I want you to get the party favors. I want to give you a new name that only you know. But you have to turn from your wickedness. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Verse 5, all who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches today. You notice he says this at the end of every one of these churches. He who has an ear, may he hear what the Spirit is saying. That's God's wooing. That's the Lord saying, stop listening to the devil's voice and start listening to mine. His path is dark. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the door that leads to eternal life. Mm. Blotting out or erasing their names from the book of life has presented its own problems for the modern church, for our scholars. And there are some in the, what we call the OSAS, once saved, always saved group. 
that suggest there were two books. But the Bereans hold that there are three golden rules to the study of God's Word. And, and we call that hermeneutics in the church. Number one, take everything at face value. A literal meaning of a passage if possible. Number two, do not accept an interpretation which creates contradiction with other scriptures. And number three, don't make it any more complex than it has to be. And when you read the book of Revelation, in fact, right in that, that book, you're going to see six places where the book of life is talked about. And it can be confusing because one is called the book of life, one is called the Lamb's book of life, but they're the same book. In proper hermeneutics, sound hermeneutic practices will reveal that. So that leaves us with one solid option. Your name can be removed or blotted out from the book of life. And this agrees or lines up with what Jesus told the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2.5, that if you're not careful, your candlestick will be removed. Either way, you don't want your lampstand or your name to be removed. Amen? So here are five things that we are told to do in order to get right with God, if you will. You ready for this? And then I'm going to close. The Lord gives us five things for the Sardis church to do to prevent their name's removal or their candlestick's removal, whichever way you want to look at this. Number one, be watchful. Say that with me. Be watchful. What's that mean? When the UPS guy is supposed to make a delivery, especially if it's a good thing, you know, something really fun, I'm out there, I'm looking on the, the video cameras, and I'm like, oh, is he here yet? That's watching. Not as cool as watching for Jesus, but you get the point. You're anticipating that he could come when? When can Jesus come? At any moment. Today, tomorrow, a moment. Any moment. Number two, strengthen your faith. How do you do that? Read your word. Pray. Trust God. It's like praying for patience. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He'll give you every opportunity to be patient. Right? You think faith is any different? No. No. Because you have to believe. You have to see that situation as though it were, even though you can't see it with your physical eye, you have to see it with your spiritual eye. Whatever it is you're trusting God for. It might be a son or a daughter coming back to the Lord. It might be whatever it is. I don't even want to put a tag on that. It takes faith. And we need to have that. Strengthen your faith. Help us with that, Lord. Number three, go back to your first love. We've heard this a lot lately. You know, the Lord has been waiting for us. Do you remember, Norm, what it was like when you used to take a three-day weekend with me just to worship me and spend time with me? And I confess, it's been a while. We got to do a little bit of that when we were in Florida 
But I'm telling you, it's been a while. I'm just confessing my own faults. How long has it been since you spent any quality time with the Lord? Okay. I just can't help but ask this. If you can't spend any time with God on earth, why would you want to spend forever with Him in heaven? I get to know Him. Spend time with Him. Go back. Number four, get back to the basics. I love this part because we're there. This church is there. We have gone back to the basics. And I'm telling you what, you are going to hear messages that they may not be all that polished. I could care less as long as they're effective. I may not be the the best speaker that you've ever heard, and you can probably go out and listen to a bunch of them online that are a whole lot better than me. As long as I'm anointed, I could care less. And if you're getting fed by those other guys, praise God. As long as what they're putting in you is right. We have got to get back to the basics. Reaching the lost and discipling them. We met yesterday, we, we had our first disciple makers class, and it was awesome. And God bless you, Mac and Rose and Marv and everybody that helped with that event, Shelly. Uh, you guys were awesome. It was an amazing morning. Amen. And it's all about our next step here. When those people raise their hand for salvation, we're going to have them step out. And this isn't happening today yet. This is the beginning of this, but we're going to have them step out and, and just have them meet with some of our leaders. They're going to make sure and get their names, and they're going to put them with somebody that will hold them accountable. That's what this is all about. It's coming. Get back to the basics. The gospel message. And finally, last but not least, if whoever's coming up can come up. I'm not sure who that is today. If you could begin to play softly. Finally, Everyone repent. Here's the thing. If you read in the Old Testament, many times the leaders weren't actually in sin. They could have been, but they weren't always. And many times they would actually stand in the gap for their people. They would repent as though they too were just as much in sin as the rest of the people. And sometimes that's what it takes. Church, we've got to be willing to repent of our sins and of the sins of our fathers and of our community and of our nation. The U.S. isn't perfect. (laughs) Far from it. I think we've got a lot of good going for us. But our nation has carried out atrocities all over this globe, and you know that's true. They're not always on the right side. We need to pray. Would you stand with me? I didn't even get to the cool part. That's all right. We'll get back to this in two weeks. What I want you to recognize God loves us and He's given everything for us 
And all he's asking in return is to spend some time with him, listen to his voice, and let him guide you. And if you'll do that, you'll get favor, you'll be blessed beyond measure, and wherever you go, people are going to look at you, and they're going to go, hey, what is that that you have? Can I get some of that? How many have had that happen? Yeah. Because that that bright morning star guy, he's living in you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is in you. And they see that. So with everybody's heads bowed, I just want to ask, knowing that your deeds are seen by God. He knows everything you've done. And how many in this room would say today, Pastor, I know I've messed up. I I have not been that person. I, I feel indicted today. These churches that you mentioned, I feel like that's me. I've been taking the wrong path, but I want to change that today. If that's you, I need to see your hand going up right now. Hands going up all over the room. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. You can put them down. In order to change, all you need to do is repent. That means to turn around 180 degrees and go the opposite direction that you've been going. My presumption is that you know exactly why you're where you're at today, so you need to eliminate whatever that thing is that's preventing you from drawing close to the Lord. He wants a stronger relationship with you. He wants you to know His name and not just know His name, but hear His voice and recognize it. So that when He calls on you to do something or when He warns you, you'll hear His voice and take heed so that you don't fall into that trap or into that pit that the devil has prepared for you. How many are in this room today and you'd say, Pastor, I think I've forgotten what it's like to really worship the Lord, to spend time with Him. And I just want to see that that part of my life reignited with the Lord. If that's you, can I see your hands going up? All right, hands going up all over the room again. You know what? I'm raising mine on that one too. Probably half the room You raised your hand for one or the other there. I would like to ask you, if you would, to please come to the front quickly. We are almost ready to close. Take that step of faith here. Don't worry about anybody to your left or to your right. Who cares about what people think? This is between you and God. I'm out here too. I'm down there with you by faith because I'm telling you, my life is a wreck. Without Jesus, my life is a wreck. And I don't want to live without Him. I want to experience that love that I had for Him so many years ago. And I'm telling you right now, I am being challenged to go after Him with a new fervor. And if if just what I'm saying is enticing you to come, then get up here. There's something about taking that step of faith.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want to love you. This morning, we want you to know how much we love you. Just start telling them how much you love them, how much you need them. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, God must have a pretty big ego. Hey, he created the universe. He's, he's entitled to that. I think the fact is he just loves it when his children call on his name and say, I need you more. Not less. I need you more, Lord. And that's what we're doing here today. You've taken that step of faith. If you can, lift your hands up. I always identify this as like a funnel. As the anointing falls, put that funnel up in the air and just receive it today. Your arms are connected to both sides of your heart. Your heart is really the eye of your soul. And I believe God's going to pour something into you today that you have not had prior to this. So if you can, lift your hands. Heavenly Father, do what only you can do here today in Jesus' name. Fill these wanton vessels, Lord. First of all and foremost, we repent of any sins. If that's you right now, just say, I, I repent in the name of Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for all the dumb things I've done. The anti-God things I've done. That's anti-God. Help me, Lord, to live a holy and pure life. And any obstructions, anything the devil's put in my path, I pray they'd be removed in the name of Jesus. That he would be bound. And that goodness and mercy and gentleness and patience and love will be released into me today and a desire to spend more time with you to create that place in my life on my calendar where I can bless you like you bless me I commit my life into your hands oh God Jesus name. Amen. Did you give the Lord a hand today? Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't let it end here. Take it with you. Take it wherever you go. Take it with you. And listen, if you're a new believer and you don't know what to do next, grab one of our uh, books back here. Brother Jerry's holding it up, that green booklet. Take one of those with you, please. They're free, and it'll explain what's next if you don't know. But if you do know, what are you going to do next? Spend time with Him. Love Him. When you go home today, just be worshiping in there in the car, even if you have a wife or a husband. They'll think you're nuts, but who cares? And don't close your eyes while you're driving. I have no idea what's going on here, what's going to happen next, but I know God is in the house. And what we're experiencing here is just the start of something He's going to do that's going to be so powerful. 
we've already seen changes, good changes. And by the way, next Sunday, and then I'm, I'm asking everybody here, if, if you're going to be here next, how many are going to be here? If you know you're going to be here next Sunday, please lift your hands. I know a lot of you are going to be on a motorcycle trip. God bless you. Keep you guys safe. Thank you. You can put them down. We have put the word out. The veterans in our community have been invited to our church next Sunday, and I know God is going to do miracles in this place. Here's the thing. Please pray for Pastor Ernie, who is the head of uh, uh, warriorsjourney.org, and they, own, they minister to the veterans. All right, We're going to have a memorial service here. The uh, VFW Honor Guard is going to come and join us, and it, it's going to be a beautiful thing. The cross is going to be right here. The soldier's grave marker is going to be right in front of that. And when they come down, and I'm just giving you a preview, when they bring the flag down, they're going to fold it. And Marsha, one of the VFW Honor Guard, is going to come over, kneel at the cross, and place that flag. I'm telling you what, the, the bugles are going to do taps, the guns are going to be shooting outside this door, and it is going to be amazing. So invite anybody that you know, veterans, their families, invite them to come join us. We're going to honor those who have fallen. And I want them to know we love them. In fact, we love them so much and we wanted to show our patriotic spirit that we are putting a flag in this week, which will be up by next Saturday, by the way, or next Sunday. A big one, too. And uh, that's just to say, hey, we're with you. We're with you in spirit. We're in you with, with our heart. So come on back. Be praying this week for these people because I'm believing we're going to have 100 men and women ask Jesus into their hearts next Sunday. Hallelujah. Would that be cool, Brother Steve? All right. Keep us safe in our coming and in our going. Help us to be a light in this dark world. Bless each one that was able to come today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said... God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.